I'll rip your arm off. You know what? Get your ass back home, get in the gym, and figure out what the hell you're doing wrong. Might be called the five-point move. I'm frustrated with the way our Greco guys from the United States are treated because they are good athletes, they are good human beings that, that want to win. we got to help them get there. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Five Point Move podcast. I'm Tim Hans, founder and senior editor of FivePointMove.com. And with me, he's back. He's back. He's back for episode 14. That is world champ and Olympic silver medalist and uh, probably the, I don't know, sixth most popular athlete in Wisconsin history, Dennis. <laughs> Thanks. Let me ask you a question. I said sixth. Who would you put at the top five? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'd say... Favre? Hanson. Uh, yeah, I mean, are you talking pros or are you talking no, no, guys? No, 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 just all together. I, to me, it's Favre, Horning, I don't know, Star. Yeah. Star, yeah. Robin Yount. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh... Just trying to think. Yeah, those guys are pretty good. Can't complain you can't. if I'm on that list. What about Hank Aaron from his time with the Braves? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to count a, you know, like uh, Ron Dane or somebody. Yeah. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of good athletes here in Wisconsin. So you say. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because you think about, see, when I think about Wisconsin, I think of it in two different contexts, okay? Obviously, there's the Greco context, all these people from Wisconsin, the history, so on and so forth. Yeah. But when I think of it, like, just in overall sports, it's just, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm on the coast, but I, I just picture Packers. Just think of Packers, Packer legends, Jerry Kramer. How, how can't you think of Wisconsin with Packer legends? You know, it's it's when when the Packers are in season, it everything shuts down and there are Packer parties everywhere. Yeah, I bet there are. There's not a, there's not a whole lot of other stuff to do, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're not going to cow tip every day. <laughs> nah, I hear you there. Sunday's day of rest. You just uh, watch football and drink beer. Yeah, drink beer. That's isn't, another Wisconsin thing. Yeah, isn't Wisconsin University like a gigantic party school? Yeah, man. I mean, all the universities are pretty much party schools. Well, yep. I know. I'm not trying to state the obvious, but if isn't there like a list of like the top like there, party Yeah, there's colleges? a list. Exactly. And a lot of them are Wisconsin uh Wisconsin colleges for sure. Yeah, I just it just attracts that though. Right? I mean the, the thing is I I had a I grew up in a town of 575 people, and we had, I think, six bars in town. How does that work? I don't know. It's good business. <laughs> I hear you. But that's that's the way Wisconsin is. 
Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm certainly not judging. You know, yeah. I'm not judging the Wisconsinites. Um, you know, I just, I, I don't see, see, okay, out, out outside of Milwaukee, what is there to do? You know, like, is there a, East Coast? There's tons of, of stuff fit, to do. You know, you go up north, uh, kind of where I live, and a little bit north, a uh, lot of fishing. People are always on the lakes, which is nice. I love going out on the lake. Yeah, but to do it, that's different. Fishing's different than going out socially at night, you know, stuff to do when you're in college age. And how many people in college are, uh, you know, after class, you know what? Let's just go fishing. Nah, you know what? We're not going to go out tonight and get hammered. Let's, let's just go to the lake. Yeah, actually in Wisconsin, fish it. A lot of guys, a lot of people do go out fishing. It's, it's pretty big here. How have you been uh, doing physically, like as far as fitness level? Uh, I feel good. Body's uh, holding together really good. Uh, been doing my core program, getting videos up on our website. And, uh, you know, I do that four to five days a week at least. And, you know, I, I incorporate a lot of core with my wrestling club. So I'm, I do core probably two times a day, uh, four days a week. And, I tell you, uh, the program's really working. Uh, my body hasn't felt better. Let me ask you a question, okay? If, yeah. If you could compare yourself from now, how you feel now, to let's say, I, you know, we'll say the immediate years post Athens. So, yeah. you know, like in that like 05 to yeah. 07, 08 range. I would beat the heck back then. You mean coming thought, off My of- body was sore. It, it, you know, stuff ached. And, you know, I, I wasn't doing the core every day. I was just kind of coaching wrestling and um, not, I guess, not taking care of myself. I, I was just on the mat and not not doing much to keep my body in shape. Uh, you know, I use wrestling as, as a tool to keep my body in shape. And, you know, just by doing a core where you're getting every muscle in your body to fire at the same time, that makes a big difference in how your body works and functions. You know, I, I understand you're not preparing for competition, but how is your stamina no, it's real good. I, I just, uh, I worked out with one of the kids from my club tonight for, uh, we went live for a half hour. He's uh, about 150 pounds. He's, he's a seventh grader. Okay. So you're probably thinking I, you know, that I'm not going to get tired. Well, this guy, if he was in high school, he would have been a probably top three, three in a high school state tournament. So he's a real deal. He's going to be a kid to look for in the future. I uh, worked out with him tonight for a half hour straight and, you know, felt good. Uh, conditions fine. Uh, you, you know, um, strength, I'm fine. Flexibility. It's, it, I feel real good right now. Okay. Good to hear. You're still an animal. Not surprised. Let's switch gears and talk about what we've noticed recently. We just had we just had Asian Championships. We just had obviously Thor Masters with the U.S. 
in January, uh, I think in Sweden, there was the Vaderkupen. Um, you know, there's been, you know, I've, I've seen enough matches at this point, um, across the last, I don't know, we'll say six, eight weeks to where there's, I mean, there's a couple of trends I, I've noticed. Not so much from Thor Masters, I have to say. Um, but certainly from Tokti and even, um, Grandma Cup is that a lot of the higher level guys are still, I think, starting low. So they're, they're just locking low. You know, they're not necessarily, uh, getting too creative. You know, they're touching and then they're going for their lock. Yeah. The other thing I've noticed is, is that you do see more guys locking high, locking high underneath the armpits and just like not even really, not even really rolling, just kind of tilting real quick. Just trying to go for, you know what I mean? Just jumping over and like, and that's good enough for now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It depends. It depends on the level. It depends on the level. I mean, and you were also, I, my opinion, I don't know what you've seen so far, but we're also seeing more of a tendency for the bottom guy to try to break the lock a little longer before, uh, you know, getting called out by the official. Yeah. I mean, if, if you ain't trying to keep the guy from locking as long as you can, you're nuts. You know, you don't want to give a guy a lot of time on top to turn you. So, uh, I mean, I'm going to push the limits if I'm a wrestler these days. You know, make the guy really yell at you before you open up and give the lock. Right. I I think there's no other choice, especially especially given perception. I think when the rule was announced and before we had even really seen what it was going to exactly look like, there were a lot of people who theorized that the bottom guy would somehow – in a more advantageous position until the season develops further and there's tricks of the trade that start kind of betraying themselves in competition. That is definitely still not the case. I mean, the bottom guys, yeah. I mean, it's not like there's a big advantage all of a sudden being flat. I don't think, I mean, if there is, I haven't seen it um, yeah. myself. I, I, I'm not crunching stats over it, but um yeah, I, I look. I'm not in a place to where I would ever recommend something. But yeah, if there's one thing I've noticed, I've I've noticed it a lot more. Um, guys staying on the hands and just, you know, the at the last available second is when they let go. And I, I yeah. to be honest with you, it doesn't seem like that bad of a strategy to me. Yeah, I I just you know, and that's the tough part because there things are going to change before the worlds on how they call things. So. What you're getting away with right now at these early tournaments, the rules may totally change by the time you get to the world championships. I mean, not not the rules will change, but the interpretation of the rules by the officials. I've already heard of a couple of things that I'm not going to even mention now. Um, but yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, they're just plain and simple. You got to work on your defense if you're on bottom. And your offense, if you're on top. Yeah, I don't think there's a better way to say it. Um, but I do kind of. But like... then you don't have any false starts. You don't. I mean, occasionally you might have something that goes on, you know. But it eliminates a lot of tr- cheating by both guys. 
Oh, yeah. I mean... Uh, I, I like that part. Well, that is one of the best things about it. Absolutely one of the best things about it is that it's taking away, it's reducing the wasted time in all of these matches where it's like, come on. Where, where, start? You can't even tell. Exactly. Yep. I you, mean, and then both guys play play against each other like it was his fault, and the ref is looking at the other two refs to see who who was the one that false started. So it does. I, I think it does eliminate a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I totally do. And, I, I mean, the armed forces was, uh, you know, an on and off disaster the way that thing was officiated, to be honest with you. Um, wow. I mean, Ildar, Ildar got called for uh, caution in the match he lost against Xavier Johnson. He got called for a yeah. caution in the second period. And uh, it wasn't, I mean, it, I, I've watched the match at least six times. It, was, it wasn't his fault. He assumed the position. He puts his hands on top of the guy's back, and uh, well, you got to be ready to blow, blow the whistle. Yeah, blow exactly. the whistle. I hate referees that don't blow it right away. They don't blow it. It's a game of chicken. Exactly. Uh, it's just I don't know. Whatever. Hey, both time we agree on something. That's not bad. Yeah. Maybe uh, this next topic will change that. Oh. Change it around. Let's change it around. <laughs> It is March, early March. We haven't had uh, a ton of events yet, at, at least not involving U.S. guys. There's been Zagreb. There was Grandma Cup. We just had Thor Masters. For the juniors, it's the Austrian yeah. Open. Not to disinclude the juniors, but we'll probably focus more on the seniors. Right now, at this point, I think there have been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So seven overseas senior medalists thus far in 2018. Probably right around the same number as, as there was last year. Yeah. Um, no, you know what? No, that's not true because at Zagreb last year, there were five medalists, and this year we only had one, so we're off by a few. Okay, anyway, so not the point. The point is is that these are encouraging showings. Uh, U.S. fans like to see United States Greco-Roman wrestlers earn medals overseas. I think it's important for perception. I think it's important for just overall morale of the style in this country. I don't think it's anything to be discounted. For sure. Yeah. However, I know that I know where you come down on this, and we're going over there to compete and win. And I'm not saying the guys overseas aren't they're they're going to those tournaments to to win, but you know they go to so many tournaments that you know they're they're practicing, they're working on things. They're you know not that our guys aren't at the same time, but you know it's. I don't know. It's a lot different, I think, for guys that are competing from overseas compared to our guys. You know, it, it's, you know, these guys are, uh, you know, the foreigners, I, I think, use it more for practice just to see where they're at, you know. And, and I'm not saying our guys ain't doing that. They are. But, um, you know, are, are we fixed? truly fixing what we're working on or is our focus on winning 
at those tournaments. And I, you know, it's good we're having success, but we got to carry that success over. Okay, how many how many gold medals did we win in these tournaments? We have Kamal, Cuba. Okay. So everybody else got beat. They need to get home and get working on where they got beat. Get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. Let me let me ask it this way then. Yeah. Does the ranking series, does the UWW ranking series, which is in place for four events, not counting the, you know, each region's continental championships yeah. and so on. Okay. We had the Asian championships this week, for instance. Okay. There were about yeah. 16 awesome matches in Greco. You know, one of them we highlighted yeah. on the platform. These guys who compete now in, let's say, the Asian championships. These elite level world medalist type of guys, are they looking at the rankings, a ranking series event, a continental championships ranking series event? Are they looking at it as te- a test tournament? Oh, for those tournaments, for sure. Uh, no, they're looking at it as, hey, I got to do my best to get ranked for the world championships. Well, that's those, those are. Think, yeah. Those, those guys are, you know what? They they have to win, so they're going balls out. They're going to do. They're going to wrestle their smart matches. They're not going to take chances. They're, you know, they're going to be more strategic. I I guess that's what I'd say. Right. Whereas in your mind, at least, when you go overseas, you're a U.S. senior. You go overseas. You perform well. You you win. Let's say you you even win. Okay, you you win. Not you don't just bring back a medal. You you win. Yep. Well, that has to, I would imagine, carry some kind of, I don't know, some kind of it's good sort of confidence because you right. know you're doing things right. You know, but just know that those guys in in the month of February and and March, those ain't the same guys you're going to see at the World Championships because they're going to kick their training up three, four notches, and uh, they're going to be a different animal when you see them in, at the World Championships. That's what these guys got to remember. And so don't take the, take the win that you're doing the things right, but also know that you're going to see a different animal come World Championship time. It, it's just that clear. If you talk to anybody else that, that's competed, um, and and been at it, they'll tell you the same thing. And I'm not saying not to enjoy the wins and the victories and the medals, but you know what? Don't sit on them. Come back and figure out your problems and get a serious training cycle in two, three months where you're training. You know, the competition is good to to get competitions periodically. But you know what? Fix problems. We're going to be at a world championships where Parterre is back in the game. And you know what? We need to get better at defense. Where the hell did we get beat at in the Olympics in, in Rio? Every match we were doing fine on our feet, but nobody could defend a damn gut wrench or a lift. I mean, where do we get beat? We get beat in Parterre. At the world championships, we're going to go down first. It's just a fact of life. It's a fact of life for U.S. Greco-Roman wrestlers. We might even get one chance on top in the second period. I don't know. 
But I'll bet, I'll bet every one of our guys on the senior level goes down first at the World Championships if they don't score a point. Look, I'm not going to get com- completely conspiratorial here. I, you, I, I'm not. I'm just saying it's pretty much a fact. <laughs> no, I'm not disagreeing with you. So we just got to continually to work on our defense and, and just get rock solid where guys can't turn us. If they can't turn us, then hopefully we get that chance in the second period. You know, that's part of the problem with the way they uh, do scoring right now with, with points for passivity. It, yeah, I don't know. You know my thought on that. No, I know your thought on it. Um, what I was trying to say is that at Thor Masters, you know, Robbie gets, Robbie, Robbie Smith is, he's been a target for no good reason, probably partially because of his height. Um, I mean, he was being completely stalled out by the German, in my opinion, anyway. Um, he, you know, guy, the guy's holding his wrists yeah. and walking his legs and that's it. It, um, at least with Robbie, you, you it's not even a surprise anymore, but Pat Smith got screwed. Like I can't even believe in his, in his second match against Sweden, Patrick Smith getting called for passivity when he's forget the fact that he's making attempts. When I say attempts, I mean legitimate attempts, not like, um, let me, let me do a couple of dumb, uh, let me do a couple of loose, arm throw tries that I know I have no shot at, but just so I could get the slip to look busy. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. Patrick Smith is going in. He's banging inside. He's lowering his level. He's looking for high dives and he still gets, uh, he still gets called. And I got to tell you, I could see that happening more at a world than than an event like Thor masters, where I don't expect us guys to get completely hosed over. But that was, I, I think it's super frustrating for the athletes too. You know, I if you go over there and you you get a match like that in the first round or second round, you may not get another match. Right? Yeah, it's ah, it's abhorrent. And I mean, not, I mean, not that Patrick Smith is going to say anything about it. He's not going to say a word about it. But I back to work when he gets home and try and find ways to score. Uh, all right, let's change topics. You know what the worst part is? Is that, you know, your DVD, the, like the highlight DVD? Yeah. Like, it's like a fantastic DVD. Like, it's all, you know, all awesome clips and stuff like that. I've watched yeah. it, you know, 90 times or whatever. Like, some of the music, like Creed is in there. You know that, right? Like Creed? I don't like know. The band Creed? Yeah. That's in there. That's, that's, yeah. there. it's like five minutes in or something. Yeah. Did you have any editorial control over the music? I didn't do nothing. Nah, I don't know. Look, and I'm not gonna light you up over it. I mean, that DVD is like, I mean, it's it's not recent. It came out a long, long, long time ago. Yeah. If I was gonna make fun of you about it, I would have done it a long, long, long time ago. Just thinking about it now, that's all. Yeah. All right, let's bring Roberts in here before this whole thing goes haywire. And joining us for episode 14 is multi-time. World team member, two junior teams, U23 team in 2017, and just earned a bronze medal at the Grandma Cup in Cuba, Dalton Roberts. Dalton, thanks for coming on for 
what is an action-packed episode specifically because we have you on board. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's absolutely our pleasure. Uh, where are you now and what are you doing? I'm in my hometown right now. We're downstate at uh, Big Tens, which are in Lansing this weekend. Um, I'm in Howell right now. Um, just chilling. Let me ask you a question. When you, before you got to Northern, before, I mean, maybe even while you're there, I don't, I don't know how like hardcore or whether or not you're into college wrestling, but do most people in Michigan root for Michigan State or do most people root for the Wolverines? Like where, where did your allegiances lie? Uh, I like watching Michigan wrestle, but, um, as far it depends on sport. I, um, obviously a lot of, a lot of people are Michigan State fans for like basketball. Um, I find that a lot of guys are like fair, fair weather fans. If Michigan football is having a really good year, they'll, they'll pull for them when they play state and it's kind of back and forth. But, uh, I, I know the assistant coach Chris Williams to, uh, Michigan State pretty well. And so I like, I like watching state wrestle and, um, but for the most part, I'm a Michigan fan. Yeah, you know what's that's you know, but Michigan football is huge everywhere anyway. You know, oh, yeah. like I mean, it's huge in Jersey. People in Jersey like Michigan. They like Rutgers. Uh, they like um, who else? They like uh, Ohio State, Texas, USC, Notre Dame, but basketball. I, I I could see it. I get it because it's like, right? Because Michigan State traditionally has a better basketball program than University of Michigan does, but Michigan football is you know I don't know what like it's like one of the most famous programs in the history of that sport, isn't it? So I could see it. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, so let's talk Cuba. Cuba was a big deal. Um, I mean, it was, it certainly was in my mind, and I, I know I'm not alone, um, because I talked to the U.S. national team head coach and the Northern Michigan head coach about it, and both of them felt your performance was extremely impressive. It was also a ranking series event new this year from United World Wrestling, the ranking series, the points. And all that. Um, in a way, it was also a significant step up for you in terms of your senior career. You've been in senior events before. You've done well in senior events before. You've even done well in senior events overseas before. Uh, last year in Finland specifically comes to mind. But this was different. I think it had a different vibe. What did you like the most about your performance as a whole? And then we'll kind of break it down a little bit more specifically after that. Um, as a whole, my I'd say my ability to to bounce back from that first match, and I I after that first match it was rough. I talked with the coaches, and um, a lot of things have to do with your warm up. I didn't I felt mentally prepared, but my my body wasn't there. I wasn't physically my heart rate wasn't up. You know I didn't I wasn't ready for the match. You got to be both mentally and physically ready, and I wasn't. And I fixed that in the second match and then the third match and 
Um, I just couldn't get it done on the fourth against uh, the second Cuban, you know. But um, it's just little things like that, especially um, tournaments that grand of a scale. You, it's um, it sucks to mess up that early in the tournament, and you just have to bounce back and um, kind of wrestle your, your next match with like a clean slate. You can't think about that uh, that match, and that's that's what I did, and I felt really good after that. Your semifinal match, um, yeah, that that was some dicey officiating. Um, I remember watching it live. Uh, it just seemed confused. You know, all three-man mechanics just kind of seemed confused uh, in that mm. second period. That was probably frustrating, but was that the most frustrating part of the weekend, or was it, like you said, coming off after that first bout? Um. I, the the rule changes are kind of confusing at times is when, and this is probably the most frustrating part, um, was the cautions. They, um, they, they'll caution you, and then for, like, you know, head-butting or grabbing fingers, and then they'll also caution you, put you down for being passive, right? And so... What I what I kind of brought out of that tournament was that a lot of guys every time they were called passive and the massive stopped, they looked at the ref as if like they're getting a chance on top. And so every time the match was stopped for a passivity or like a what they call defensive wrestling, now you you kind of just think that you're getting a chance on top because they weren't really explaining why they stopped the match for you know head butting or fingers or whatnot. So you just assumed that the match was stopped for passivity and then you'd want your chance on top when you didn't get it. You were kind of just, the word I'd use is confused. No, I, I don't think that was just, yeah, that was, that, that happened in numerous matches throughout the, the those two days. Um, that's just the kind of stuff that's going to happen for the rest of the year probably too. Um, yeah, I, I don't expect everybody to be on the same page right away. Uh, your bronze medal match versus Germany is, uh, I mean, if it's not my favorite match that I've seen you wrestle, uh, so far, it's, it's gotta be in the top three. Uh, really kind of because of how intense and how physical he wanted to be in, especially in the second period. And it's not like you weren't into that. Of course you were. Uh, that's a big part of your style. But it was like, I, th- I think I defined it as like you being a matador. You know, you were cutting angles. You were frustrating him. Um, you, I mean, you basically caused him to flop. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and, and then you covered him in the second period. I think that kind of, towards the end of the second, that's what kind of iced it. But all in all, that was like absolutely one of my favorite performances. And, and the fact that it was for a bronze uh, obviously plays a role in that. You had to have, I, I mean, I hope, I, I, I guess, but you had to have felt pretty encouraged coming off the mat after that one, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, I felt great after that. And um, it, it felt like a big stepping stone, honestly, uh, because, uh, so um, you know, I can, with my pace, I can um, change the match 
but um and push a lot of guys but when they start to push back usually I just you know up the up the pace and try to master or beat that um with that match I just I wanted to see what he he would do I was being more patient and I wanted to react off of what he was doing instead of just like you know push and keep pushing what um, I know how to do and that's something that I've been trying to work with and um, Rob's been trying to stress that with me is less like less push and I still push a lot but uh, just feeling the opponent and um, countering what he's doing you know and kind of setting the trap a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like that. One of the things we were talking about earlier, now, you and I discussed this on the record um, in the fall, I believe, or in the summer, I forget when. I, I forget when at this point. But the weight class... Mm-hmm. Then the weight class seems to fit you well. What I want to know yeah. is how has the weigh-in procedures been uh, so far? You know, the whatever, same day, two days. Uh, is it really kind of changed stuff for you? Is it maybe is maybe it's advantageous? I don't know, but how has it been adjusting to the way this is uh, unfolding so far? My first impression of it was it was dumb in that um, it just hurts the athletes with two weigh-ins. If you put a lot of weight on it, you know, after the first day, you got to cut weight, then weigh in again, and how that affects your second performance. And this has only been one tournament since then. But oddly enough, I kind of liked it. And I, I wasn't really expecting that for myself. But the, the weigh-ins were easy. We got we got two kilos on so the weight class was sixty and in Cuba we got two kilos on the first day so sixty two kilos and then the second day is the same so sixty two on the first day sixty two on the second day and I didn't have any any troubles I ate a small dinner and I ran in the morning and it's pretty hot in Cuba so that that helps too but I liked it and I don't. I'm not sure if that will continue, but as of now, I I don't mind the two weigh-ins. Uh, the weight cut's pretty easy for me. I'm trying to fill out a little more, but um, I'm at a comfortable weight, and it allows me to grow and not worry so much. I, I keep a clean diet, but I don't have to be worried about losing weight all the time. So I feel like that's healthy for me. Yeah, see, the one thing Hall and I disagree with, and I'm sure Hall would like to jump in on it, is I even if you like the the weigh-ins, the two the two weigh-ins, the same day, and so on and so forth. What we don't get that we are actually in unison in agreement on, and there's not a ton of topics where that actually exists, is the two kilo allowance for this year because it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna have 
two weigh-ins and it's all we want we want you know we want to discourage athletes from cutting too much weight and so on and so forth then the two kilo allowance for a year is like a mirage almost you know it almost seems counterproductive because you're going to have an awful lot of guys who were just going to hang around a specific weight this year because of those two kilos and then next year it's going to screw them up so I don't know. Just, Hall, can you back me up? Because I just feel yeah, like it's no, counterproductive. I, I think if they're going to take away the weight next year, why have it in place this year? You know, because it guys are going to train a certain way, and, and then they're going to get stuck a little bit, or they're going to have problems making weight the, the next year. So it it doesn't make any sense to me that, they do that this year. I mean, if you're going to go the route of two weigh-ins and, and have it scratch both days, then uh, I think you should do it right away. So, guys, you know, going into the Olympic qualifying year, you don't want to have guys missing weight the second day. No, that's an even better point. That's an even better point because what's next year? What starts with the 2019 Worlds, right? So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, Roberts likes think, it, so what are you going to do? <laughs> I, I like it. However, um, with the two kilo allowance, I think if it was just UWW's way of like using it as a buffer, they took what they did is they we had one way in and one tournament day, day, and now we got two way ins and two tournament days. They extended that, and they're like, "Oh, well, here's a, what this two kilos feels like from an athlete's perspective, at least, is like a gift." Like, oh. You know, we, we're making you weigh in twice, but here's this little gift of two kilos for this one year. And, you know, but we're going to take it away. So it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like a gift, but. Nah, you're renting it. Exactly. You're going to pay the piper the following year. No, mirage is a good word for it, though, because it's, it's really nothing. Like, it's nothing. I like the idea of, let's say, an event or two spaced out throughout the year where that happens to be part of the curriculum. Here, you know what, at this one, we're going to throw you two kilos on the second day, fine. I mean, not all of them, just, a, you know, like, I think that's okay. I don't think that's a big deal. But this just this standardized across the board. This is what I, I think they should at the world have it where there isn't two kilos this year, but for tournaments where you guys are just training to get better yeah give you two kilos right right i think that's a better way to put it unsurprisingly a better way to put it so dalton the fact of the matter is we are in early march uh in what 28 days or whatever it is will be the new york ac tournament um, after that, I'm assuming you'll be zeroing in on the open. How are you adjusting your prep, your training coming off of Cuba, knowing that you have New York, which I, I'm going to guess you're looking at an, as another test event of sorts. Yep. Um, yeah, right. So what is the approach? Do you have an individual plan in Marquette? Or are you in a group where everybody's kind of shooting for the same time frame? Uh, 
it's uh, very team oriented. We all follow Andy's plan, and I trust it. And that's the that I found is the biggest the biggest thing is if you don't trust your coaches and the plan, then um, the process isn't going to fall through. And I've everything that I've done and under Andy and Rob has um, helped me. So I'm going along with the plan. I do things on my own too and after practice. Um, but I trust Rob and Andy with the practices and whatnot. And we all go through the same practice, 630, 330. Um, Tuesday, Thursday, we lift and our lifts are, um, staggered. So it, you know, it goes down closer to competition or whatnot. Well, it's very, we all do the same thing. It's just how well, uh, how much effort you put into it and, how much you get out of it, and then what you do after practice, before practice, on your free time, all really determines how successful you end up being, in my opinion. Caraway and Hall. Yeah, no, I, I think he's right on. I, it's everybody's going to practice and doing what's required in practice. It's it's extra stuff that makes a difference. And you always got to be figuring out what you need to be working on and, and spend the extra time working on the things that, that you're weak at. So the attitude's right on. The Russia tournament, Lavrikov Memorial. Uh, now, I know the camp was, I'm sure, extremely productive. And, you know, that's the reason you go and all that stuff. But that tournament itself seemed like you know, at least from my vantage point, um, as if it was like a really, you know, hyper-competitive, like, regional Russian tournament. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, it seemed like a little bit outside of the box compared to most events guys go to. What was your impression of it? Because we didn't, I mean, there, other than some photos and things like that, you know, we didn't really see it here. Yeah, I imagined it to be like a, li- a little different. It wasn't UWW. It was in this gym that was up three stories in this building uh, behind a pool with this tiny, like, this tiny gym. There's two mats. And all these guys that we were training with showed up to the, the tournament. They knew where to walk to because most of from the training camp took a train, we'd walk. Everyone knew where it was because I, I didn't see any advertising or whatnot. But it, it did feel very... The tournament went by quick. You got matches in. And the the Russians are... You learn so, I learned so much from them. I can't even say just from positioning, from moves. Our first day in training camp, I wrestled this guy. And I got thrown on my head. I look at him and I say, show me that. And he tries showing me it broken English. But I had never been thrown that way before in my life. Ever. And that's just the training camp. That was before the tournament. So the whole trip was pretty eye-opening for me. And very, very productive. Hall, are the Russians, the, the Russians are pretty hospitable people, right? Yeah, they're good. I, they're just, 
you know, there's so much ahead of us in technique. It's not even funny, you know, just just the little things on how they do certain controls of two on ones, underhooks, whatever. They just know the sport so much better. And, uh, you know, it, it's you got to take them out of their game plan when you wrestle. Them. What do you mean take them out of their game plan? You got to beat the hell out of them, you know, because if you try going technically with them, we're going to get eaten alive. No, that that definitely felt. Um, that was the approach that I had in the camp after after that first. I was like, all right, well, one of two options: you wrestling technically, and he's probably a little back at that. Being honest with myself, or I wrestle like. I'm running a marathon and hope he quits. I think that's a perfect place to close. Dalton, once again, we really appreciate you hanging on and discussing your recent bludgeoning of the German for bronze in Cuba. (laughs) One of the more entertaining matches we've seen from an American so far this year. And whatever, you're a stand-up guy. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. And that was Dalton Roberts. We appreciated him popping on. You can follow Dalton, one of the country's best and brightest young Greco-Roman stars, on Twitter and Instagram at DRoberts59KG. wonder if he'll choose to update that to 60 since the weight class change. No matter. And you can also follow Dennis Hall on Twitter. The running joke is that Hall really doesn't participate too much in social media. Even still, we share his handle each and every episode. That is at Dennis Hall WGW. And of course, please follow Five Point Move. That's at 5PT Move on Twitter. And certainly check out 5PointMove.com. That's it, everybody. Thanks for listening to episode 14, and we'll see you soon. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.